Welcome to the Thought Leader Podcast. Uh, I thought I'd add a question mark in there today, just for the sake of it. But there's nothing to question. I really am Dr. Kent. And um, yeah. And I really am Randy Baker. I checked this morning, I looked at my passport, it said that, so it must be true. And on the Thought Leader Podcast, we talk to people who will challenge our way of thinking. And today we're talking with Cheryl Ginnings, spelt with a G, and Cheryl has some really deep thoughts about caregivers. And you say Ginnings, I say Jennings. Could be one or the other, it's like that song. But yeah, she talks about caregivers, she talks about business, she talks about you know growing up and facing adversity and so on, yeah. And even talks about some jewelry. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, well, and there's a kind of a secret thing she said before the show started. She said, you know, the, the jewelry might have some sort of like magnetic pole. You know how they have the jewelry that has that stuff. But if, if folks are really interested, go check out this artist she talks about because pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. Absolutely. So here we go. Let's have our interview with Cheryl coming to you over the airwaves or through your speakers or into your headphones right now. It'll be magnetic. So hello, Cheryl. I feel like we should start out by, well, where should we start? Either either identity theft or your amazing necklace, bracelet, and ring, and sort of the story that you told us behind those. I'd love to start. Why don't we start at both? How does, how does that amazing jewelry have to do with your identity, and how is your identity stolen? Well, the necklace, I met a lady when I went to get training for PTSD in Seattle a few years ago. And for some reason, she just identified with me. And when we got ready to leave, she said, I want you to pick out something out of my site that you like. And I said, oh, no, 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 I can't do that. So in about two weeks, I got a package and it had this necklace And I had some other necklaces in there, and they are very, they're expensive necklaces, but she gave me one that only her mother and I have. And then this ring I just got, and it has the lines of fire, but it's because we're connected. And so each one has a meaning. Each piece of jewelry has a meaning. And she's up there in New York, and her name is Julia Bernowski, and she has a company, Untamed Hearts. And She just sent me this jewelry, and I just absolutely love it. She's a very wonderful person. And you were just asking me about identity theft. I don't know how it all works. I just know that it's happened to me (laughs) and many others. So what's what's funny is you could just as easily be like a, you know, 21 year old influencer on Instagram. Cause you're, you're mentioning that people send you things to, to sort of model <laughs> out in public and that, you know, people are trying to steal your identity, but regardless <laughs> of all of that, who are you? What is your identity? What, what have you done for folks who might never have heard of you before? Well, I started off as a young mom and the first child we had had cerebral palsy. 
And everything that we did was revolving around that without doctors knowing anything about cerebral palsy. It took 14 months with him crying night and day to finally get into a hospital in Nashville, Vanderbilt, to find out that he had seizures and he had cerebral palsy. And we were sent home with no information. And so everything was up to me to hunt resources. And I finally found a book from the library. Remember, this is before cell phones and this is before computers. (laughs) So I hunted everywhere. And the interesting thing is that everything in my life keeps coming back to helping people, coming back to serve them and to provide resources that would help them be better off than I was. Nobody told us to watch out for our own health. And so my health broke down trying to care for someone that needed constant care, could not sit up alone. Everything had to be done for him. And after having two more children and a mother-in-law move in with us, my health just broke down. And now I see I'm on a mission to help younger parents, first of all, stay together, learn how to communicate with each other because the divorce rate is over 90% when they have a special needs child. And I went back to college later after my youngest was in third grade and they said, we want you to focus on why does communication break down in these families? So I did a video that I wasn't really, that wasn't my degree. My degree was in communications, but they had a student that filmed everything I wanted to film, all of the interviews of educators, parents, doctors, anybody. And then I went in and I was saying, look, I have 28 hours of recordings. (laughs) And they said, well, come with us. And they showed me an editing machine. And they said, we want it to be 28 and a half minutes. So I had to work through that. And then years later, I mean, that was used on television and at two universities. But then, you know, life happens and moved on and we were in Fort Worth. And I was invited to teach a class for a school district and all the parents and teachers there, how to work with special needs children. And as I did that, the dean called me in and said, hey, we want to hire you for our four campuses. And I said, we're moving to Oklahoma. (laughs) So we come to Oklahoma and I have a real estate career for a while to put my two daughters through college. And then As life has it, as my husband was retiring, I decided what I really wanted to do was to go back and write and speak and help people who have caregiving issues because I've lived it all my life. And everything has happened with people contacting me. I got a call from New York. They asked me to host a radio program. I did that live every week, even when my family especially my son with cerebral palsy was in the hospital almost dying. I still would go in a room and talk to people about some of the things that were going on to try to help them understand we're all in this together. Yes, you're lonely, but you're not alone. That we just need to reach out and to be more supportive of those who are going through those problems. And now I've been doing that. I went to get a certification to be a coach, started helping families with that. And then I decided, you know, I think I'll go back and get copywriting. 
And so I've been doing that for the last year and a half. But uh, I know this is long, but Pray.com contacted me and said, we would like to have your shows on our on our site. And so they're on Pray.com, and I have a channel that's called Courage to Overcome. And I just, I feel very blessed that people call and want interviews or trying to help get the word out that we need to support the families who are going through very difficult times. So Cheryl, caregivers are facing significant challenges now. When we, th- when we think about the, the boomer generation, their parents are in need of care and the bottom end of the boomer generation, which is just a little bit younger than me, they don't really know what to do or how to care for their parents. And there was a crazy statistic that I think you mm-hmm. sent to us that 67% of caregivers pass before the person they're caring for. How Correct. do we overcome these, these problems? Well, that's how I really am trying to reach out and help support caregivers, even if it's the parents or their children or their spouse. I mean, we have a military town and we have so much PTSD here and we have young people whose friends have been committing suicide. We have to learn how to reach out and support the people that are going through it. And one thing I I write about this because on the radio program, what I did was ask two major questions of people. I wanted to know what helped them go through their caregiving and then what lessons they learned that we need to pass on to the younger generation. And what I've done is to do some quizzes to find out, did you talk to your parents before you had a crisis? And more than two-thirds of those respondents said, no, it happened when it was a crisis. So what we need to do is to go ahead and start teaching what is involved when you are a caregiver. It affects you spiritually. It affects you physically. You don't keep your health up because you think, I need to take care of somebody else so they're first and you neglect your own health. It's emotionally very hard. And if you read the comments from people on the sites where the caregivers are focusing, they'll say, I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to throw in the towel. But they don't have any out. They don't know what to do. We need more resources for respite care. And then we also need to understand financially it is going to be a huge burden. And that's why some people will say, I can't do it anymore. I interviewed one man who was who has become a lobbyist for parents with children with cerebral palsy because he helped so many parents understand, you know, what happened at birth. Usually they didn't get enough oxygen. And he said this happens over and over. So he started a group to try to answer questions. And he said it takes between three and five million dollars to raise a child from birth to death who has cerebral palsy. Now, if you look at that, you think, no wonder we're broke all the time. You can't work and take care of someone who is full-time care. And another statistic, Randy, that might help you is that in 2015, they estimated from their going out and trying to find out how many were caregiving, there were 43.5 million people home without pay caregiving. By 2025 years, it's up 
it was up to 53 million. That's a huge amount that's growing. We have younger people that are not having many children, but we have a huge number of baby boomers who are retiring. So they're saying we're running out of caregivers, but families will have to learn how to take care of someone in the future. So that's what I'm trying to do, get the word out. We just, and then of all things, New York University wrote me and asked, and then they interviewed me. They wanted to know if I'd write a course about caregiving to put on their adult learning site. And then I had another man from California call and say, if you've got a program, I'll buy it right now for $500. But I know just putting out there and writing and trying to communicate with people what is involved that I get so many responses from that, that it's a huge need. I'm just one person. I know there are many people who could help, but they don't realize they need to. And one thing you need to do is to talk about what are your needs specifically, Randy? If you are a caregiver, you cannot assume that other people look at you and think of what you need. They look at you and go, wow, I could never do what you're doing. Instead of saying, can I come and sit with your father while you have a little break or go to the store or go walk or go just be alone? Or can I go get groceries for you if you can't afford to leave them? Or just providing, uh, just delivering the things they need or sitting with someone is a huge, huge blessing to someone who's there all the time, 24-7. So right. I was going to say, Randy has incredible experience with that, and I'll bounce back to him in a minute. But I, I wanted to poke you, Cheryl, a little bit and say, I'm really interested to find out about Cheryl a little more. Because I think this is the thing about caregivers. Uh, in my, you know, my mother ran a caregiver support group for years. Oh, really? As a therapist, yeah. Uh, and, and they're in Oklahoma. They're in Broken Arrow, my folks. Oh, I know so, where that is. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's not not too far off. No. But, um, in terms of you, when you grew up, were you that caretaker in your family? Were you the, the peacemaker? Or did all of this kind of emerge when your you know, beautiful boy kind of had these troubles? Like when, when did this, this part of your personality emerge, this person who wants to help others? Well, I guess from the time I was young, I was always helping my, ch- my sisters and I'd play with them even though I was older. But I also had a grandfather that became very ill soon after I'd spent a summer with him. And he was a very robust man who was traveling to sell wheat to other countries. And that's what my last memory was of him getting to the airport, calling and saying, hold that plane for me, which they did at that time. And then when he got ill, they did surgery and put him back together wrong. And when we went back to see him a few months later, he was skeleton. And he lived for 15 more years or 16 with my grandmother taking care of him. I mean, it was just a natural process. But then after I had my son, I mean, I never would have thought of somebody else taking care of him, even when I was tired. But then my father had a heart surgery and he was, oh, by the way, one in 10 chance that can go wrong. It did. And so he became an invalid. And then he was in a coma seven weeks, but when he came out of it, he had so much damage that he had to go to rehab for a few months, but then he went home. 
and we would take turns as sisters going and helping my mother. And she took care of him for for 15 more years. And in that time, I also had my mother-in-law move in with us after my father-in-law passed away. So it's just been a cycle of my life. I've lived it, and I've learned so much from having a sweet family that never talked about anything but caring for family. Cheryl, I think most people have no real depth of understanding of the physical toll, the emotional toll that caregiving actually takes. Um, I lost my wife seven years ago. She was diagnosed with cancer, was dead five months later. Wow. And that five months was extreme. And you're right, people, people care for you. So I had people that would maybe cook a meal for me once in a while. I had great support from my work colleagues, mm-hmm. but nobody appreciated the toll that, that takes. And that was just five months. So I can only imagine when this is a, a long-term process with a, with a child, it's for life. Right. Elderly parents can be invalids for, for many, many years. So my message to all my listeners is understand the toll that it takes on the caregiver because it's real. It really is. And I just, when my health broke down, we had to go and ask, you know, what's available to help us. We were on waiting lists, but then that was a different time. They had the schools. I hated what happened that my, when my son had to leave our home. It was like he died. But yet I was so ill. They thought I had cancer. I had mono. I was so ill. I couldn't lift my head off the pillow. And then they call and go, Oh, by the way, we think you have lung cancer. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Do you know who you called? I haven't ever smoked. You know, how can I have lung cancer? So it was a huge change, a shift in our lives. And then. We hated that place because they would say, oh, no, you can't come and see him unless you make an appointment. And every time we went, we would surprise them and things were bad. And they would say, oh, don't follow us down the hall. Well, I'd go right in and follow because I wanted to know why they were keeping me out. And there were children in fetal positions on the floors that were not being cared for. Every time I went to see my son, all of his clothes were missing and they would say, oh, well, you need to get some more. What happened to the 24 pairs of pants we brought and the 24 shirts? Oh, well, um, they're probably in the wash, but they weren't. Everything was disappearing. And then we uh, were told, oh, let's go to Texas. It, down there, we can get him into this wonderful school and it will be great. We go down there and they go, who do you think you are to just move down here and expect to get help? So we've gone through a lot of different things. From that, it was 500 miles I'd drive every month to see him. It was depressing, but I could not lift him. We had no alternatives, and there's no resources. You're too old, too young, too rich, too poor, and everything in in our society takes way too much time to help those who are really in need, and yet we hand out money to people that don't need it. And that's one of the things that I think we we need to change. Let me just skip real fast to tell you, he ended up in a group home when we moved back to Oklahoma, and that was 13 years down in Texas. 
But we moved up here, and he the only thing we could do was put him in a group home. And one day we got a call. He had been assaulted. And I was so angry, and we went in, you know, went down there to see about him, went to the doctor, and they lied about what happened. And I came home crying, and I just, I loaded up the car, and I said, I don't know when I'll be back. I'm going to find something else. So even though we lived in Oklahoma, we have to keep him in the Texas system, or we lose all the benefits, because we are guardians now, and that's where our guardianship lies, is in Texas. So I go down to the courthouse, and we do this filing every year, but when he was assaulted, I interviewed 14 companies and ended up finding a precious family, and that's been eight years. They have become our family, and their children are like our grandchildren, and we try to have them together with our own children and grandchildren, because one day if we're gone, we want all of them to get along really well. Wow. So we're we're super blessed. There's so many things to be grateful for. And Randy, you know, you see other people and you can identify with what's happening. And yet it's probably very emotional for you because you feel the pain for them that you felt yourself. And I think that's one of the things that as we share what happens to a family during the time they're caring for them, it will help others to be better prepared for it provide those counselors, provide things at the time that the diagnosis is given instead of just you're on your way out the door. So one of the things I've done in the last couple of years was write answers on Quora. And I answer questions about caregiving or special needs. And I've got over 275,000 people reading what I've written on there. And so I look at it and go, not wow me, but wow. People have no way to get an answer for anything they're looking for. If they're asking somebody they don't know to give them an answer, they don't have that support themselves. So we've got to, we've got to provide it. So it sounds like I love Quora, by the way, Cheryl. Uh, it's a, it's an amazing resource that snuck up on the world in such a good way. Cause on, on one side, you've got Reddit where it's all trolls and everybody, you know, you can get information there in dark web and trolls and all that. But then on the other side, there's Quora, which really is, you ask the question and the best answers rise to the top. So really neat. Uh, so obviously people can find you there. What, what are you doing? Where can people find you? And who are you looking for? I would love to help whoever is needing that help and that support. I would be glad to help them try to understand how to go about finding their resources or how to get answers to questions. I don't know how. I, I have learned some of the people, not only in the United States, but Canada and other places that I've interviewed. And there are places and people who will answer questions. But if they want to talk to me, just go to my Facebook or LinkedIn, connect with me. And it's, my last name is Jennings, but it's spelled like a cotton gin, G-I-N-N-I-N-G-S. But just ask me a question. That's the easiest thing I can tell them to do is just go there. I have a website and it's just my name with a hyphen between the first and the second name, you know, Cheryl-Jennings.com. But I'd be glad to provide information. You know, I have some free eBooks and things that I'd be happy to give people. Very good. So to all our listeners, 
if you want to understand a little bit more about the the joys and the hardships of being a caregiver, please connect with Cheryl, ask her your questions. We have to work this out because people's lives depend on it. So thank you, Cheryl, for your uh, for your interview, for your thoughts and for your passion. We really love having passionate people on here and that was fabulous. So thank you. Well, thank you so much for asking and for the way that you are out there providing so much impact and influence in our world that needs to be out there and for helping people that others don't know to be able to get the word out there, what we're trying to do. Thank you very much. Wow, that's really kind. And Cheryl, thanks for telling us about your necklace as well. <laughs> people go back to the start of the interview and look up that artist. It's a beautiful necklace. So, and, and bracelet and, and ring. Thank you so much. Take care. It was great talking with you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Cheryl. It's, uh, it's always fascinating to me when a guest comes on and gives me statistics, because I'm a business geek, and gives me statistics that I had not been aware of. 67% of caregivers pass away before the people they're caring for is a phenomenal statistic which indicates to me just how much physical and emotional and spiritual strain caregivers have to deal with one thing i I was just reflecting on as as we were thinking about the interview we just had um is the heart you have is so big you want to help the world and i think we're always talking about that randy and i and the key to that and reaching more people kind of ironically is how how do you scale this concept how do you reach an even wider audience and and i hope um, you're able to kind of uncover some ways to do that and i think you're already doing that through quora and other various channels speaking about scaling Kent and i think a lot about this and if you go to our website thoughtpartnergroup.com you'll find one way that we help our clients scale their businesses so Go there, have a look at it. There's a, um, a little button top right hand side that says free assessment. Click on that, spend a minute filling it out and we'll spend a minute giving our thoughts. I was thinking there's probably a really good joke in here somewhere. You know, like what did the reptiles say to the entrepreneur? Do you need help scaling? Yeah. yeah something. There's yeah. something good in here. So if somebody has an idea for a reptile entrepreneur joke you know please let us know and you can subscribe you can send us a note you know wherever you find us just just connect with us we would love that